And even at 71, you can have a harvest of seeing young men's lives transformed. And of course, as I said before, that's what it's always been about for me. Well, welcome to another episode of Navigation and Discovery with Cameron Singh. On today's episode, we have pastor, coach, entrepreneur, inventor, educator, author, and much more, Denny Duran. Uh, Denny Duran is the senior pastor of Shreveport Community Church. Uh, Denny also began the Evangel Christian Academy football program at Shreveport, Louisiana, which re- gotten some national recognition. And one of the things that recently came out of that is a documentary on Amazon uh, called God Family Football. So I've seen uh, Denny preach on various platforms, both in person and online. Watch this new docuseries. Uh, one thing I have to say was awesome getting an opportunity to have a conversation with Denny Duran, uh, getting to know him and getting to know his why. And also, what keeps his hair on fire at the age of 71? Uh, you'll you'll note in our conversation, he came out of retirement to go back to coach high school football. And you'll see so much, so much of his heart in what he does and his love of high school football. So you're going to enjoy. You're in for a good ride. And so hope you enjoy this conversation with Coach Denny Durant. Well, Denny, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Uh, it's truly an honor to have you on and been following you for quite some time and looking forward to our conversation today. Well, I feel the same way, Cameron. I'm so honored to be here with you. Well, awesome. So um, many of our listeners probably haven't heard of you yet. So could you take some time to uh, let our listeners know a little bit about who Denny Duran is? Well, I was born in Texas and raised in Louisiana. Uh, my dad was a legendary leader and pastor in Shreveport um, m- all of my life. And um, he uh, passed the baton to me when I was in my 40s to be the leader of this great church, Shreveport Community Church. And I also was uh, the chancellor and am the chancellor and was the football coach at Evangel Christian Academy. Uh, most recently, I have come back to be the head football coach at this football team where um, where I really began the program uh, 35 years ago. And because of that, a producer friend of mine by the name of Aaron Benward uh, decided that this was a story worth telling. And so he came and did a sizzle reel and then the sizzle reel turned into a real docu-series and now is on Amazon. And the name of that series is God Family Football. And I have a lot more uh, to my life, of course, but I think that's the part that landed me with you today that uh, probably we want to focus on. Yeah, well, that's awesome. I've really enjoyed this documentary and just watching the story. And so what I wanted to start off at is how, what really sparked your interest in uh, sports? Well, my dad was athletic, uh, loved to play all of the sports, football, basketball, baseball, loved golf. Um, He was the high jump champion in Beaumont, Texas, when he was in high school. And so I loved my dad. And the greatest moment in life was my dad's smile or his hug or his approval. 
So I just inherited that same love for athletics. I was a four-sport letterman in high school, played um, all four. The old saying is, um, is that you're the master of none, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, jack of all trades, master of none. But I was able to go to college on a football scholarship. And that's where my skills really began to develop. And football became the focus of my sports life. But it was never the focus of my life. Because at a very early age, I met Jesus in a powerful experience. And as a result of that, and feeling like that I had been called to full-time ministry, I began to pursue a life, not only of godliness, but of having an opportunity to share my love for the Lord everywhere I went. So it's been a dual role that actually has become one because one has become a platform for the other. The sports experience has become a platform for the ministry experience. And never has there only been one in my life. They have grown together throughout my life and here I am, 71 years old. Can you believe that? And I'm still doing the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, in the in the documentary, God Family Football, that's on Amazon. And uh, for those that are listening, the link to the documentary is in the podcast description on whichever platform you're listening on. Um, you actually came out of retirement to to go back and and coach the the football team. Uh, can you describe what made you really want to uh, come out of retirement to go back and coach? Well, one, I felt the call of God again, that mm -hmm. he was through with me. And even at 71, you can have a harvest of seeing young men's lives transformed. And of course, as I said before, that's what it's always been about for me. Mm -hmm. But four years ago, in that famous year of 2020, when everything was upside down, we had lost 68 upperclassmen in the junior and the senior class. And after those guys left, there was an empty stable of athletes at Evangel Christian Academy. We had 28 kids. Most of them were sophomores and freshmen and a few eighth graders. Uh, we weren't going to win a game. I knew that. So halfway through, I released the young man who had appointed his head coach and I treated him great. I, paid him for the rest of his contract. I told him, I said, you're one of the greatest guys I know. I said, this has nothing to do with you. It's got everything to do with me. I feel that I'm called to take this thing over because I saw that it was a rebuild. We were literally starting over. And so because of that, I wanted to be at the helm to make sure that these guys were fundamentally sound and that they were ready to grow as athletes and to grow together as a team. And it's been the most fun I've ever had coaching or in sports period. I have enjoyed these years seeing these baby football players grow up and now they're seniors and we're in a playoff run. Awesome. Yeah. I wanted to touch on that because uh, <coughs> coaching young people can be, can be very different than, than coaching a football team in the NFL because um, these individuals are literally growing up. Uh, yeah. You're seeing them grow up and they're having uh, different experiences. There's pressures of, of the world. Uh, not only are they going to school, they are um, just experiencing life in a, in a different uh, era, right? You said and, it well, they're all over the place. Right, they're all, they're all over the place. Yeah. So, um, so what, what 
uh, have you done to really ensure that the to focus on the physical but also the emotional well-being of your young players? Well, you know, it's right there in the Word of God, and you know the Scripture well, Cameron. And that is seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added to you. So when you've got a lot of other things that you need added in a leadership environment, then you have to ask yourself, am I doing the one thing that ensures God will help me with all of those additional things? And that is seeking him, not just seeking him, but seeking him first. So what we have done during these last three and a half years that I've been out of retirement is we bought our kids big Bibles with wide margins where they can take notes. And every day, Monday through Friday, they are in a doctrinal Bible study. The reason for that is the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart in loud thoughts. And he said, these kids don't know what they believe and they don't know why they believe it. And the only way to solidify their faith and their understanding of scripture and who God is in relationship to their own lives is to get them in a doctrinal Bible study where they take step by step of understanding of the foundations of everything, the foundation of the world and creation, the foundation of man's relationship and walk with God, to walk with the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the prophets, and then, of course, eventually the apostles. And to see all of these men as they relate to Christ or they relate to Adonai and to begin to learn the lessons that God wanted us to learn. That's the reason he gave us his book. And as they've begun to seek the Lord, first of all, this Bible study, secondly, worship and praise. We just really believe that every day it's important for our athletes to be involved in powerful worship and praise. And then the third thing, of course, is that besides the teaching and besides the worship and praise, just learning to interact and react with each other in a godly manner. Uh, we are constantly dealing with young men on um, a level of discipline. And people say, well, you know, that's negative. No, it's the most positive thing in the world because you can never have a real understanding of Father God you understand that he always chastens those that he loves and any father who loves his son or his daughter is going to chasten them because it is only in their chastening in their correction that they are going to be guided and that they're going to understand exactly what god demands of them now this has been wonderful for me to get back into the context of coaching i tell you i I didn't know I missed it this much, but getting back in every day, I wake up, my hair's on fire. I'm so fired up to be able to get to these kids and just to be in their presence is exhilarating to me. And we're about to graduate some seniors that were that first freshman class that I took over four years ago. And wow, is this an epic moment for us as the Evangel Academy Eagles. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I wanted to touch on that too. Um, you, you mentioned your 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 hair is on fire. At the age of 71, um, and I've seen you speak on several different platforms, uh, both in person and online, and there's just a fire within you that it it 
and for a young person at the age of 30, it translates so well. So what keeps you going? What keeps you energized? What keeps your hair on fire to keep going and doing what you're doing today? Well, I'll give you, I'll give you three secrets of staying inspired and energetic and on fire. Mm-hmm. What is this? You have to believe the right things about God. Mm-hmm. You have to believe the right things about God. You, you must believe that he is your father, that he is in heaven. So he is limitless. Mm-hmm. Hallowed be his name. That means that every name of God is focused on something that he wants to do in your life. You have to believe that this wonderful God is so wonderful that he never wishes you harm, but only good and success all the days of your life. And then the second thing is you've got to believe the right things about yourself, that you were created in God's image, that you are limitless when it comes to your power to impact your environment and to touch the world that you really are an individual who has experienced the miracle of miracles. And that is that the living God has come to live in your heart and that everywhere you go, you are the one who is carrying the very measure of God's presence into every environment. And then the last thing is this, you've got to believe the truth about your mission in the world. You have not been called to simply cruise through life expecting the ordinary, but because the supernatural God lives in you, everywhere you go, there is the potential for transformation. Every time you walk into that stock room where your job is basically going to be to stack boxes all day long, it's amazing but you're the most important person in that environment if you are the only believer because you are bringing the very presence of God into every place that you are. And so lives are changed wherever believers live, wherever they work, wherever they reach out. We are the change agents of the world, whether that's in business or it's in coaching or it's some kind of ministry experience. And so the thing that I would say to to you, Cameron, and you are so familiar with all these principles because I know you're a pastor and there's nobody that gives you as much great leadership information uh, as Greg Rochelle, Craig Rochelle. But I will say this to all of your listeners as well. You got to believe the right things about God, believe the right things about yourself and believe the right things about your mission. And I can tell you, if you'll do that, you'll wake up every day of your life with your hair on fire. Mm, that's so true. Yeah, even I, I think there, there's oftentimes people think they they don't have the, any purpose in life. They're not going to become something. They're just uh, doing these minute jobs here and there. But But realizing when you have God, you have everything. And you can, with God, who knows? the those possibilities are endless they really are yeah and that's what we try to tell our kids Mm -hmm. is that if if they'll really sell out to the fact that there is a god and that he cares deeply about them and if they'll form a relationship with him and ask him to come into their hearts if they will honor the lord jesus christ in their youth 
that they're going to see just natural, automatic, inevitable, unavoidable results in their lives that will amaze them. Mm -hmm. Uh, So so as a coach, um, how do you balance that desire for success on the field, of course, that as a coach, you want to win, have a great time. Um, How do you balance that desire for success with the importance of providing a positive and enriching experience uh, for uh, for these young athletes, well, again, I think we have to we have to go to definitions here. Mm-hmm. Uh, positive is a very important word. I'm glad you used it because this morning I had a come to Jesus meeting with several of the kids on my team. Uh, we had our Bible study, and three of the guys that are new to our culture this year didn't bring their pins so that they could mark in their Bible. Well, I had them stand. And I rebuked each one of them strongly because everything is about everything when it comes to our culture. The smallest thing is significant, the way we straighten the chairs, the fact that we only give standing ovations because we are rebelling against the jaded society that we live in where People are just kind of sitting with their arms folded saying, go ahead, impress me. We are going to charge right past that. And so every time we clap for anybody, we give a standing ovation. Well, it's an extreme kind of culture. And we know that that's not what you're going to take into society and into your future. But you are going to take the understanding of the seed thought in each one of those things. So this morning after I finished reprimanding them and getting them pencils so that they could mark in their Bible later after the message, I turned to explain to them. And I, first of all, reiterated our mantra. Everything is about everything. There are all no small and great decisions. They are all important, great decisions. The way we straighten chairs, everything is about everything. But then I said this to them. I said, what you just experienced, gentlemen, is the love of a father. I said, some of you have never had a good dad. I said, I had a great dad. And what you have to understand, it's impossible for you to have a good father if he does not reprimand you, if he does not discipline you, if he doesn't call you into line. I said, so what you experienced today was my being a very good father image to you. And I said, Everything will be different from now on. All three of those babies, they filed by me as they went out of the uh, classroom because I stand there every day and shake their hand and tell every one of them, I love you. I love you. And I make them look me in the eye. I tell them, I love you. They're going to hear that every day from me. And as they filed out, every one of them said, coach, it won't happen again. I promise you. Well, they grew because they embraced that kind of uh, positive uh, reinforcement. It wouldn't have seemed positive because it was pretty direct, but everything is positive if it helps me grow. Everything is positive if it helps me grow. Let me share one thing with you. I, I, um, as a young minister, uh, started preaching when I was 17. By the time I was 17 years old, I preached 200 times. And then every year it just, you know, was about that or increased. And I've preached thousands of times all over the world. Well, I was a young man who ran with older, more seasoned ministers. 
And uh, my peers would say to me, how in the world can you hang with that guy? He's so harsh. Okay. He scares me to death. Well, see, I had been coached hard by my coaches, always. It, that wasn't harsh to me. That was an opportunity to grow. I didn't care how the information was couched or clothed. I just wanted the information. And so I had an opportunity to walk with older, wise, maybe a little grouchy men who were men of God. And they would turn to me at times and very directly say things. It would be like a lightning bolt. No transitional statements, just bam. This is what you need to do. This is what you're doing wrong. I was never offended by that. It was an opportunity. I'd say, please tell me, please tell me. And they would tell me. And our relationship would deepen. There are still people trying to grow that are more interested in the soft skills in which information is being, is being given than they are in the information itself. But I would say this to anyone who really wants to grow. If you are offended by the mentor's tone, then you're not ready to be mentored. Because somebody who really wants to be mentored never judges the mentor. They simply want what he's got. And they're willing to do everything to get it. I'll tell you a great example in the Bible. is the story of two guys, Elisha and Elijah. Elijah was an old, eccentric, grouchy prophet. When you read the things that Elijah said, there are very few kind things that Elijah said. Most of it sounds like what you would think a prophet that had just come off the mountain with God would say. But then there was this men mentee, this young man that wanted something from Elijah. Elijah had power with God. And so Elisha, his young protege, who had, by the way, left a very prosperous farm to follow him, said this to him, I want a double portion of the spirit that is on you. In other words, I want to do twice as much as you've done for God. And Elijah said this to him. He said, and it's very important to hear this. He said, you have asked a hard thing. Here's what I've discovered. I've discovered that people that really get the information discover that it's a hard thing, but it's worth it. Mm. And when you are able to stay in a situation where the leader may not be as skilled in his ability to soften the information as he should be, but you stay because you know he's got something. You stay because you know that you're planted there. You stay because you know it's the will of God. Then I want to tell you, you're the one that will leave with the prize. You're the one that will leave with the blessing. Yeah, I think so many are the first resistance they get or first where they feel like uh, they're getting some difficult coaching. I think the first thing is they'll, they'll quit the team. They'll quit the job. They'll leave that relationship. When totally. if you, if you stay in it and uh, what do you call it? Stay in the grind. If you stay in the grind and continue mm -hmm. to push yourself as your coach or mentor or leader, whoever that is, continue to push forward. Um, you're, that's, that's where you grow because 
I think especially the younger generations, um, you know, they see someone that's wise and way older than them. Oh, I don't need to hear them. I don't need to listen to them. I'm going to do it my own way, but not realizing that's exactly what they need. You know, I've often, I've said this many times. I've said, <clears throat> uh, information and knowledge are beautiful. Mm -hmm. And they come in very young containers mm -hmm. because the younger generation, oh, they're so knowledge hungry and they're just dispensaries of knowledge. Mm -hmm. Hey, you want to talk about, you want to talk about leadership? Hey, you want to talk about relationships? You want to talk about, uh, about productivity? You want to talk about workplace um, attitudes? You want to talk about compensation? I mean, just they can go on and on. And I love it. I mean, I just, I just love the fact that this, this generation is information crazy. This is what I've told my kids. I said, guys, as hard as it is for you to accept, here's the fact. Wisdom only comes in old boxes. And you got to find somebody who has lived life to be able to give you the wisdom that life affords. Mm -hmm. and, and and that's so true because I've I have not learned as much as uh, so I, I surround myself just like you did when you were growing up as a pastor very much wiser people very much older people a lot of my friends are not even in my age bracket they're like 40 and above because I always want to learn people that are well ahead of me learn from the best of the best and the more you do that the more you soak it all in um, it's amazing that the transformation that just getting in that information, getting that message, getting that difficult feedback um, from people that have done it, 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 it can transform a, a life. It, it'll give, it will give you security yeah. like nothing else. Mm -hmm. Attached to people that have, have really gone on before you walked, before you walked the path before you. And, and I say that I'm 71. But the man that I chose yeah. to be our Bible teacher for our our team, he's 79. And he's my mentor. Wow. So there you go. <laughs> well, uh, so obviously, you know, you with coaching a team, um, there are setbacks. There are challenges you're going to face uh, throughout. Um, there are challenges that you have faced. Um, so how do you help your players truly navigate and overcome these challenges and setbacks? Um, not, not only as a team, but also on an individual level. Yeah. Well, it, you, <clears throat> you have to be, you have to be part father. You have to be part instructor. Mm -hmm. You have to be part psychologist, you know, counselor, and you have to be part friend. Um, you, you've got to know when a kid is hurting or he's drooping a little bit and be able to just call him and say, normally it doesn't take much. Just the touch of a coach that's respected often is enough. So, you know, yesterday, for instance, I was on the practice field and I realized that I hadn't really had conversations with my wonderful quarterback in a while. So while the defense was, was practicing. I walked over between he and his brother, uh, who's the receiver. And man, we just had a good time. We didn't talk football. We just talked life. We laughed. 
we talked, we enjoyed each other. It's so important if you want to be um, a leader that is transcendent, then you have, you have got to be an individual who is able to discern or feel what is happening around you. That when one member of the team is just a little low, to be able to give them something they need. There's another member of the team that maybe is a little combative during this time. Maybe you just need to pull the rope a little taut on that individual. And so there is this balance. But what I believe is this, is that the Holy Spirit is the sixth sense that allows us to know things in a more acute manner than we could know them as individuals, just as people. We know as God would know because of the Holy Spirit. And so it's just important to constantly keep that sensitivity of the Holy Spirit alive so that when we're leading, we're able to encourage that one. We're able to maybe pull that guy a little bit back. Uh, we're able to sit down and really talk to that one because he seems like he's walking through something off the field that's a little bit discouraging. And so, yeah, I, I think when we ask, how do we do that? That the answer would be so many ways, so many ways, and that we have to be open to allow the Holy Spirit to teach us to genuinely care, because I believe genuinely caring about people is really the most important thing we can do as leaders. People have asked me, um, what, what's the most important meeting that you have ever done? And I will say to them, without any exaggeration, this one, this is the most important. I mean, Cameron, this is the most important meeting I've ever done because I'm only present in this one. Yeah. I'm not present in any of the previous ones or any or the one I have scheduled after this one. This is it. Yeah. Present here. And the most important person I'm ever going to be with is you because I'm here with you. I don't have a chance to touch anybody's life, but yours to learn from anybody, but you right now. And so I think that if, if individuals, especially leaders who tend to worry, would you agree? Yeah. Yeah. We, we tend to, that's our, that's our, like, that's our challenge. We worry. We're wound so tight. Most leaders are going to walk into an environment and they're going to be somewhere else right here. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can tell they're somewhere else. They're talking, they're saying hello, but it's, but it's, yeah, how you doing? And they're just gone, man. So if we can ever be leaders that are able to snap ourselves to attention and understand that, hey, be in the moment, be in the moment. This is the only place you can make a difference is right now in this moment. Um, I'll give you an example. You have time for me to do yeah. this? Yep, we're good. I, uh, I, I was asked by a local university to come and do their FCA meeting years ago, years ago. And uh, my first question was, how many people attend? And the young man on the other end of the line said, well, if we have a good crowd, we'll have five. 
And I said, look, let me have my youth pastor call you back and we'll see what we can do. Well, I got off the phone and uh, the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and he said, I thought we had a deal that um, I would open the doors and you would step through them. We didn't talk about how big the doors were, did we? And I said, Lord, we did have a deal. And I said, I'm going to call them right back. And I did. I called them right back. And I said, I'm coming. So sure enough, they had five people there. Well, four of the five actually followed me back home to church. That's figuratively speaking. They started attending our church. One of those guys that was in that, uh, that meeting uh, ended up being the pastor who was in charge of all of the pastors at a great church called Gateway Church, Robert Morris's church mm -hmm. in, um, in Dallas, Texas. Um, amazing. Before that, he was my uh, assistant baseball coach. He was my youth pastor. Uh, he put together most of the events that we did in our church for many years. Wow. And then he went to Dallas and made history. And then there was a young lady there that was a cheerleader in that group. And she uh, became the nanny of my kids. In fact, she's still taking my grandkids to gymnastics. She came by last night and uh, dropped them off at my house. And she had gotten them Sonic burgers and all that after their gymnastics session, which she takes them to every week. So she's been in our lives for 30 something years. And uh, one of the most significant things is her mother was the personal assistant to an heiress of a large corporation. When that woman died, that woman saved our school by sending us $6 million. Wow. And uh, the reason we received $6 million was because the young cheerleader that was one of the five that night came back, started going to church, became our nanny. And then her mother being the lady's personal assistant was able to share with her in Baltimore about this little school that was making a difference. And so when I look back and I think, wow, you know, the most important meeting I've ever done in my life, what would that be? Probably not those crowds of 30,000 that I used to preach to. Probably that meeting of five people. And so, yeah, it's just very, very important that, that all of us understand that leadership principle. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's something I really struggle with today is, is being present, being in the moment, even though you, you genuinely have that, that care. And I know you have to, especially as a coach with your team, generally have that care. Um, so how have you tr really trained yourself and, and really um, make that uh, a part of who you are, where you're in the moment, you're in present, just like on this podcast, where you're just focusing on what's right in front of you and you're mentally and physically there and present. Yes. Well, it's being grateful and it's being humble. There you go. It's being grateful and it's being humble. Mm -hmm. You say, well, uh, what do you mean? Well, you got to learn to talk to yourself. 
got to learn to talk to yourself. And then when you talk to yourself, you got to listen to yourself. You got to be able to say, man, is this great that I get a chance to be the camera today? I'm, I'm getting a chance to speak to people I'd never have an opportunity to talk to if it weren't for his ministry and his life. Yeah. Isn't it wonderful? I don't even know where our relationship's going to head mm-hmm. or what's going to come as a result of this uh, time together. Mm-hmm. I talk to myself. I'm grateful. I'm grateful. And, and gratitude is one of the most important things if you want to be present. And then the other thing is humility. Understanding in truth that you have received far more from God than you have ever given. And that you're the one who's blessed to be in the company you're in. You're the one who's blessed to be able to have the environment that you have. And when, when you live like that, and, and I'm, I'm honestly telling you that that's what I strive to do is to live like that every day. My wife and I will drive into our little community. We live right on the lake here in Shreveport. And it's just the coolest little community right on the lake. And we will drive in and we'll do this drama together. And I'm talking about regularly, we'll drive in. And she'll go, ooh, look at this place, honey. I wonder who lives here. Wouldn't you love to be able to afford a house here? And I'll say back to her, oh, man, I don't even know what that'd be like to be able to live here. Wow. What a joy to be able to live in this community. So we live our lives understanding that God has been good to us, far better than we ever deserve. And also we live our lives in gratitude. And I'm going to tell you that if you're grateful for the place you work, for the people you lead, for the leadership that you have, for the challenges that are before you, you're going to be present. I promise you. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Um, I do I do have one more question before we kind of uh, wrap it up and come to a close. Um, so how, how do you know, of course, uh, a team, you have several different players, several different types of roles. Uh, there's some that play more than others. Um, some don't play at all. Right. Some don't play at all. They'll never play some of them. Yeah. Right. So, so how do you, as a coach, um, ensure that every player feels valued and included? Well, the, the one thing we first of all do, we're honest. Hmm. What we say to them is, look, here's the deal. You come out for this team, you'll be better for it. You're going to be a better human being. You're going to be a better man, better dad, better husband. I promise you, better Christian. I said, but that doesn't mean you're going to play. Yeah. Some of you are going to be here four years and you won't play. But if we win four state championships, you'll have four championship rings. You'll get the same letter jacket everybody else gets. Because if you practice with us, then you get rewarded with us. Yeah. The other thing is this, you will have been a part of making everybody else better because you've been on the practice squad. And so we're honest right up front about, and I think that's what happens so many times is we put off the hard conversations with people so that they have expectations that we've never given them, but we also have never clarified anything. And it's just important for us to, uh, to be honest with people. And then the next thing is this, is to be encouraging to them in the things that they do well. Yesterday, uh, 
I was with our starting quarterback and then our quarterback for next year. And we were throwing one way on the field. And then the, the kid that's really the third uh, third stringer or fourth stringer, whichever, was throwing the other way with the young receivers. Because I don't like kids having to just stand around and practice. I want them at least playing something and doing something to be active. And so they're over there. But what I always try as I'm concentrating on game preparation to just cast a glance every now and then. Well, I want to just tell you the little third string quarterback was on fire yesterday. And he threw these, just these perfect balls, just dimes, just bam, bam. And then a deep one, bam. And I went, I said, what in the world? Who threw that? Now I knew who threw it. There was only one quarterback over there, but I stopped my focus here with kids that were going to play and then changed my focus to a kid that I don't know, maybe he'll have mop-up duty the rest of his career, even though he throws pretty well because we have a great quarterback next year. And it was just a moment for him. And when he turned, I could tell his eyes that that was a meaningful moment for that kid. And so you keep people encouraged without building their hopes for something that probably, you know, they're not going to achieve. Now, every once in a while, somebody's going to surprise you because you'll encourage them so much. You'll encourage them right into believing that they are going to be a starter and they will become a star. Yeah. We had a kid earlier this year. No, none of us gave him any hope of ever playing. I talked to his dad because I felt so bad about it. His dad told me, he said, my dad, he said, my son is a world-class musician. And he is. He said, he's going to get his college paid for. Don't you worry, coach. I just want him to have the experience. If he never plays, I'm fine. Well, he just believed his way and fought his way and worked his way right into a starting position. And we were all just flabbergasted. But even if he hadn't gotten there, we're going to encourage him at the level he was at. They, now, in corporate America, you can't always do that. You have to have performers, and I get that. That's why um, we measure performance at our place. We have Coach Denny's performance spectrum. Here, I'll show you this thing. This is Coach Denny's performance spectrum. And uh, the optimum performance spectrum is based solely on performance. And it tells us as coaches who should be in the game and who probably shouldn't be. It also tells us who to give the ball to if the game is on the line and who not to give the ball to. And it has helped us tremendously. And the spectrum never lies. It's just so accurate. But we talk about seven things and here they are i'll say them quickly skill set fundamental mastery hustle toughness resilience coachability and other centeredness and we grade them one through three and then we put them on a huge beautiful chart and the, they earn the grade so if they've earned the lowest grade there they are at the bottom and if they are in the top grade there they are at the top but they're able to look across that chart and then ask us questions. Why do you think I'm not coachable? 
And they were able to say something like, well, you don't have enough of a desire to be coached, even when the coach's tone is tough or you're being publicly reprimanded or corrected. And so I understand in the corporate world or wherever you're leading, performance is important. It's important in the church of Jesus Christ. Let me just tell you, a person that doesn't score well on not just this spectrum, but whatever spectrum is being used mm-hmm. is an individual that can bring chaos and division and really a lack of, um, of excellence to any team, even in the church of Jesus Christ. Awesome. Well, Denny, coach Denny, I really enjoyed this, this conversation and, um, Really want to encourage those listening, definitely watch the documentary, God, Family, Football. What was your favorite part of the documentary, the whole process of, of doing oh, it? What was your favorite part? I loved it all. As far as episodes, episode three is my favorite. Absolutely. I love Cancun Cannon. I just think that's a story that's amazing. Yeah. You know, we, we, of course, believe in the gifts of the Spirit here. And mm-hmm. one of the gifts of the Spirit we believe is prophecy, you know. And to see our older quarterback, Peyton, really put his hands on on this young quarterback's head and pray for him. And I'm, this is spoiler alert here. But, but uh, and to say this to him, say, I feel like your hand is on fire. I see your hand on fire because this young quarterback was replacing the older quarterback for this district game. Yeah. And he says, I believe your hand's on fire. He said, I think you're going to throw four touchdowns, two of them to my brother. And what's crazy is that's exactly what happened that night. And so it was just kind of a God moment, you know, kind of a God wink in that whole series. And that young man from Cancun, Mexico, that was only allowed to play one year in Louisiana because that's our stupid rule, honestly. They should allow these foreign exchange students to play every year, but he only gets one year. But he had a night for the ages. I mean, he had this amazing, amazing Friday night light experience and you know the story is beautiful and you see him calling his mom on the phone and you hear her speaking in Spanish and him speaking in Spanish back to her and yeah it's just my favorite it's just really sentimental and and also uh just football savvy it's just really super so if you only watch one of the six my recommendation is watch episode number three well, Danny, thank you so much for your time, and it's truly an honor to, to meet you formally and also really peel back the onion on, on your life as a coach and, and your life in, in ministry. So thank you, thank you so much uh, for taking the time and uh, pouring into um, this. Thank you, Cameron. Thank you. It's been a, my honor and, and uh, joy. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this conversation we had with Coach Denny. And if you want to check out the docuseries that's on Amazon Prime, uh, you can search God Family Football and you'll see the docuseries there. And it's an awesome one, so I highly recommend you go and check it out. And thanks you again to the team at Shreveport Community Church that were able to uh, coordinate this conversation. I was so honored that uh, you guys have said yes to bring Coach Denny on the podcast. And for those listening, thank you so much for tuning in to Navigation and Discovery with Cameron Singh. 
Um, if you, this is your first time listening, feel free to subscribe on whichever platform you're listening on so that you'll get a notification on when the next episode goes live. And also, if you haven't gotten a copy of my new book that came out, Navigation and Discovery, A Path of Navigating and Discovering Through Your Journey of Faith. It's a little bit a uh, taste of my story growing up and how I navigated through my early 20s. Uh, I talk about life, how I navigated through work, and navigated through um, experiencing different living in different parts of the world. Uh, more to come on that. I'm working on my second book. Hopefully that will get published out here pretty soon. And uh, thank you again for tuning in. Also, check out my brand new YouTube channel, which is now live. If you're not watching on YouTube, you can go back and watch some of these previous episodes that I've had. Thank you again, and we'll catch you next week on the new episode of Navigation and Discovery with Cameron Singh. Take care.